if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick. This is a Soulfire production. <laughs> I hit record just in time to get that what up, <laughs> which is perfect. Uh, you two, thank you for agreeing. You know, I had to, I had to put the pressure, you know, I had to like pull you kicking and screaming to have this conversation with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, happy to, <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, goodness. I'm sure going to be such a full conversation, even though I have specific topics that I want to get into. Um, but I know just being else friend that I get so much value and our conversations can go so deep and it's like, okay, well, let's just have a 15 minute conversation three hours later, you know? And I'm like, holy shit, so much of my life is about to change. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, um, I love sharing space with the two of you and I'm so fucking honored that I get to call you some of my best friends. And welcome on to that section. Thank you. It's mutual all the way. Very much. Mm-hmm. I love you and Jordan because we'll like have a conversation or share something and you guys will go and do it and come back and tell us all about it. And, and it's like better and better and better. And it's just like rapid implementation. All of the learning and growth that happens when we come together is really amazing. For real. I know I've told you this many times, but our listeners haven't heard this. So uh, when we all first 
became friends and started becoming friends. It was just the weirdest, coolest unfolding and mm -hmm. sync, you know, synchronicities left, right, and center and the threads of connection and the fact that all of us, you know, our friend group were in all these different locations and all of a sudden we were all in Austin and then hanging out at y'all's place. And we had um, a really beautiful day together. I don't know how many details of that day y'all feel comfortable with me sharing, but I'm just going to skip to the end where we were all talking <laughs> post experience. <laughs> and um, I remember laying in the, the first house that y'all had in Austin and we were kind of laying in the backyard, looking over the landscape and the trees. And it was so beautiful. And there was Libby on this um, little tapestry of sorts, I'm pretty sure, or maybe we were just laying on the grass. I don't know if my memory serves me fully correctly, considering what that day entailed. Um, but in my mind, we were on the grass and Libby was just in this wise Oracle space. Like I'd never seen, I'd only met you a couple of times. And so to see, you were just speaking about relationships and depth and vision. And I was like, who is this person? I mean, I, I knew, okay, Libby, that's Libby, but I just, I saw you in such this different light. And I was like, wow, this chick has codes. Mm -hmm. And you were talking specifically about couples having vision and knowing where they are going. And it just landed so much. And I remember Jordan and I were relatively new moving to Austin and we were just starting to figure that part of our relationship out. And I was like, Jordan, hands on my hips. We have to have vision. We have to know where the fuck we're going. Cause this feels like I thought we did. And then I heard Libby talk and now I'm just like, what is happening? Uh-huh. It was an amazing story. day. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Vision is... Andy and I, when we, we actually got connected, how we met was people connected us because they were like, you guys are very similar. You're anti-relationship and all about having fun and not looking for anything. And so I agreed to be Andy's wing woman. And... We went out and we had way too much fun with each other and forgot about everybody else. And, but we were very, both of us were so resistant. Like, no, we're not, this is no, no, like we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going into a relationship. But then once love happened and we realized, okay, this is different. But in order for both of us to even be open to it, we like had to have a vision that was compelling for us where we were like, okay. We want a relationship that does the opposite of what all of our past relationships have done. Like we want one that actually expands us and like has this experience and live and be more, not feel like restricted and condemned in certain ways or just. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We bonded on our love for freedom and, and travel and adventure and exploring. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think, I think when couples find that thing that, that they're clear on of like, this is the, this is the North star that we're orienting towards it allows so much more functionality to happen. People just kind of fall into, you know, the, the, the actions start to follow the vision and things start getting momentum in a way that's really unique and special. And it's been, it's been amazing watching you two over the past. What it's been, has it been a year? It's been two years. Two years. It's two, two, years. years. two years. Of being friends. But it's been crazy yeah. to watch like how much traction everything you guys are working on is getting. Yeah. Get that in the mud. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, so much has changed in the last couple of years. It is wild to look back. And, yeah. and part of, and, and I know I'm going to be speaking a little bit of Libby's language here. Um, part of what really transformed and how I look at myself and in our relationship is understanding my human design. And mm. as soon as you start talking about vision, I'm like, hang on, 
I do that. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be there, but I'd never given myself permission to yeah. really lead in that way because I always understood, you know, I was busy in my personal development journey trying to break out of a habit of being hyper masculine, but I was trying to build something for myself and then be in relationship with Jordan where I was really struggling with where do I surrender and let him lead? And then what is the difference between me having the vision to know where we are going, but allowing my male counterpart to really be the one that is driving the train is just like, it was so confusing. You know, I didn't know who I really like I, I had an idea of who I was and who I wanted to be. And then there was Jordan and then just like really understanding the human design piece and coming in contact with so many other couples that are all in on their relationships, wherever they are at in their relationship, they're all in. And so I know I've, I've learned so much and we have learned so much from y'all because out of our crew of friends, um, y'all are two that have been together the longest. Mm-hmm. So y'all have been together how many years now? 10 years this Ten year. Years. And a whole decade. A couple different relationships inside <laughs> of that. Right. For, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would love to double click on that a little bit because, you know, Jordan and I are three, working on three and a half years in. We're getting married mm-hmm. this year. And y'all just got married not that mm-hmm. long ago. And so we're just we entered each other's spaces and our journeys at a different time. And y'all have lived so much life inside of y'all's relationship. And I just, I'm fascinated. I'm sure there's so many people that would love to hear when you say we've lived multiple relationships inside of this. How do you maintain the all in at each of the, the points and even go in even further and recommit and let things die? Because I know that's a big piece of it too. Yeah. Yeah, I think one question that we've had this whole time is, um, what does it take to build a relationship for a lifetime? And, and a relationship that doesn't confine and doesn't constrict. And so how do you allow yourselves to evolve and grow individually as humans, but also maintain the container and connection of the bubble of the relationship bubble over a period of years, decades, like until the end? And it's a, it's a really confronting question, you know, because I think a lot of models we've had have been the models of like, well, you can be in relationship forever, but you're just going to have to cut off all these parts of you. And then those parts of you don't get to evolve. Yeah. And, um, cause the concept of all in is all parts of you are welcome. Even the parts of you that you want to hide and reject from yourself or your partner. It's like, no, no, no. When you go all in with another human, it's like all parts of me are welcome, not necessarily liked or always celebrated, but, and all parts of him are welcome. Like we're in this together. And from that point, like you begin your cycle. And I think what's challenging in the first several years of relationship is you go through a season for the first time. And it seems like scary when you like go through winter for the first time and things are stagnant and dynamics have like out, they've they've been played so many times and resentment is building and you're just like not attracted to them or something is happening for the first time that's always when you start to question the relationship or you feel like oh my gosh this is going to end this is going to end but what we started to track was like just like the four seasons it's like you go through four seasons in relationship like you go through a phase of expansion where you're like growing and building all this momentum and then when you get so much expansion you go into chaos mode where you're like oh shit i can't keep up like what <laughs> shit is hitting the fan mm-hmm. and then 
you spend enough time in chaos and you're like, okay, let's get serious. And like, let's figure out how to be more stable. Right. And then when you spend so much time in stability, you start to get bored and stagnant. And so what we've tracked in our own relationship and then in other relationships is these seasons are all welcome. They're all part of the cycle and to trust them. And the key is to know, be able to pinpoint where you're at and tune into how to keep the energy flowing. Cause when we get stuck is often when, you know, you start to really spiral downwards. Um, yeah. So, so I think with this, this exploration of what does it take to be all in for a lifetime? Um, one of the things that you cannot ignore is the fact that you will go through death cycles and you will go through transitions. We call it the relationship death cycle. It's inevitable. You come to a point where like what happens is you as an individual transform and like the part of you that operated in all these ways, you're like shedding a layer and you shed that layer with one person, but then it creates ripple effects here. And that's where people, that's where it gets really, really challenging. And so, um, usually when we're like, if people come to us, they come to us at that point where like shit's hitting the fan. It's total chaos. Like the relationships on by a thread, maybe somebody cheated, maybe they opened up their relationship and they're starting to date somebody else. And it's just, everything's really, really challenged. Um, we, what we've come to do is we've come to just respect that part of the cycle and to lean into it more. And instead of contracting and, and trying to go back and hold on tighter, it's like, we try and, we try and let go and to create space during those periods. And so we went through a couple iterations like that. When we say we've, you know, we've lived multiple lifetimes in this relationship, multiple relationships, we've had different contexts at different periods. And we've had different periods of like creating space um, where we were in relationship, but also still kind of single in our own world at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, does it make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious, so when you say people come to me or people mm -hmm. come to you, it's because you work with people in this way now. And I am so like, fuck, like we need more people who are doing this work, really. Because so many people have the experience that you just mentioned, Libby, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing winter for the first time or, and I like don't know what to do. And maybe they stray or something like that, or like tension happens and everybody bears down and clinches, yeah. or there gets to a point where you're looking at someone and you've been together for 10, 15 years and they come up with some shit that's been bubbling under the surface for so long. And it's, it all of a sudden rears its ugly head, comes out in this ugly way. And the other person looks at him and goes, I don't know, who the fuck are you? I don't even know who you are anymore, but that has been festering inside for that length of time. So how do you, instead of fighting and thinking, oh, I'm just not with the right person, letting the same patterns play out over and over again, how do you look at your person and say, you are my person and I, I'm not going to fight against human nature and I'm mm -hmm. not going to fight against human psychology and I'm not going to fight against all these things. And instead, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to treat yep. this as magic and something that's going to propel the collective of us and each of us individually forward so that we can Correct. do this shit all over again. And guess what? That's fucking living. Yeah, completely. That is living because what yep. is the alternative? The alternative is opting in for neutrality, which sounds so boring and terrible and, and terrible. just like not a fun way of living the rest of your life. Oh. And I think, I think that the challenge is that, you know, the natural inclination is to think that it's all over. And the reason that we do that is because usually every past relationship at that point has gotten to a point where you're like, oh, this is the end and then it ends. So that's the only belief structure that you have is like, oh, this is the end. You don't, it's, it's hard to see when you're in the depth of winter. It's hard to see the vision um, of what's possible when you're up against the challenge of it all. 
because there's some truth there too it's like something is ending like there's a way in which this way one's acting or thinking needs to end in order for the relationship to live on in a way that is alive and growthful and not let's compromise and clam down and pretend that we're happy and start to grow more and more distant over time and so yeah it's it's we've gone through two death cycles and it's a it's a really high stakes time you know i remember when we were going through one of ours like i was seeking out counsel and all of my single friends were like yep it's over you need to leave like you can move in with me like it's like i've got you sister which was like nice i needed to hear that in ways and then all of my married friends were like had totally different advice mm-hmm. and so it's like such such a precious time that needs to be really taken seriously and protected and be very careful of who you're listening to. Like not only listen to yourself, but also being aware that who's actually talking within me. Like, is it the, is it the little, you know, avoidant attached little one in me that's like driving my bus right now and going to drive me off the cliff? Like that's not, that's not who I want to be listening to, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a delicate period that we respect a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and because of these conversations that I have had with y'all and I mean, just being in the work that I am in as well, I feel so much more relaxed about, it doesn't mean shit's not going to happen and I'm going to go through it perfectly and I'm not going to feel things. It just means like, oh, it, it it's like at the beginning of 2021, Jordan and I had our, our ticket was up, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, okay this is happening. And I remember looking at him on new year's. It was like moments before we did the countdown and I'm looking at him and tears are pouring down my face. And I'm like, we are about to go through a thing that is, it like made no sense at the time. It was like some silly little thing that was unfolding, but it had the feeling of this is, this is packing a big bunch. And we don't actually know just how far these ripple effects are going to go. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, this is the shit that makes you the husband that you want to be and the father that we, you know, we, we want, and you want to, Mm -hmm. this is it. And he's just like, how do you feel it so much? I'm like, I just, I feel it. And he just got to rest in the fact that like some shit was going on. And I wasn't also adding to the criticism. I wasn't also adding to all of the other noise that was happening in his life. I was his, you know, I'm his woman. I'm showing up going like this. Yeah, this fucking sucks. And I don't really particularly care with what you said or did. And I fucking love you and I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. This is all in. So, you know, then my Leo loyalty wants to be like, whose house are we burning down? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Who's going to be shanked? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like go, going to get my pride. I'm like pacing around the, you know, so. It's so beautiful, Lex. And I love that you're pointing that out because this is, this is where relationships are tested. You know, the, the love is tested in the darkness. It's not tested in the airy fairy when everything's going well. That's, that's, that's where you find what people are made of, what relationships are made of. And, yeah. and that's where, you know, when everything is going well and you look back on things, those are the defining moments that make the relationship work um, and, and sticking through them and, and doing like you, you did of being like, hey, I love you. And all of these things are happening and I'm here. You know, and it's like you are being the bridge for him to step into something that maybe would have taken him a lot longer on his own, right? Or yeah. happened in a different way. But 
like, I remember, you know, the very common teaching of like, you need to love yourself fully before you can be in relationship. Mm-hmm. And what we actually learned, especially since I was 23, when I met Andy, you know, and just beginning, <laughs> yeah. like I just discovered Tony Robbins, love him. I, there was parts of me that I didn't love, but it was through Andy, at least like pointing at them or holding space for them that helped me madly, deeply fall in love with them. Like it still had to be me doing the falling in love, but, but there was a way in which like that alchemy that happens in a a committed relationship, so much is possible, Mm -hmm. so much is possible. And so like the, the theory or the idea, I think that people can get stuck into is like, I can only do these, like, I need to be single because then I'm allowed to do all of these things. And then once I'm in a relationship, that means something different. Right. And what, you know, we've always wanted is like to feel free. We want the best of both worlds. Like Mm -hmm. we're such millennial Gemini entrepreneurs. (laughs) Like we want it all. Like we want to experience all of the freedom, excitement and growth, but at the same time have this super stable, deep, secure, fucking unstoppable relationship. Mm. And, and so how do you do that? You know, Right. Right. And now, and now you have a very successful business that basically in some way, shape or form, like in multiple ways and shapes and forms helps people figure out how to do that. Now you said you've been together 10 years. So this is the language that you have today. So (laughs) 10 years ago at 22, 23, I can only imagine what the language looked like then. So I, and I would love to hear a little bit about how that language went down. So just giving some personal examples of what did it look like the times where you're like, oh, this is all coming down. What was like specifically going on in your relationships? And then what were some of the things that were, I use the term like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, right? So it's like, what did you try that really worked? And that was kind of become a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about first Bali trip. Um, first Bali trip. So <laughs> I, I mean, to put it, to add a little context to this, we, we grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a town of 600 people in Iowa. So all of the stuff that we talk about in terms of the vernacular, the language that we have around relationships, none of that existed at 25. I spent 25 years in Iowa 18 of that in a cornfield. And so the, I've, seen, like, I've seen pictures. Yeah. Legitimate. <laughs> and so when we got together, I didn't even know that you could have a relationship that like wasn't confined by cutting things off. All of my friends in high school were married with kids at 25. So we get together and, uh, after, after two years, our kind of reckoning, so to speak, um, we got together and we had our honeymoon phase and then we had our fighting phase. And then we, we got to a point where we were our past business that we were building. I ended up getting really burnt out and really exhausted. And I ended up going to the ER and I ended up passing out of the ER and vomiting on myself and having a whole, a whole moment. Yeah. And so I, I woke up and there were nurses all around me and we, we had this whole experience. And for the first time in my life, I didn't know what I wanted. Like there was, and when I looked into the future, I didn't want to have, I wouldn't, didn't want to do anything. I didn't know I'd have goals to go after. And it was a really confronting moment. We had a little experience on a mountain in, in Colorado where Libby was just kind of holding me. And I was, I just remember feeling so uh, empty. And 
long story short, I found a, I found a book called nature and the human soul. And we, uh, it talked about initiations and how we've lost all senses of initiations in the West. And that's why we have an adolescent culture in America, for lack of a better word. Like we value sex and money and fame, just like a teenager would. Um, but in other cultures, they don't do that. So I ended up finding this elder uh, who was living in Bali and, and we did two phone calls together and we set up an immersion to go to Bali to go do uh, a, a full on immersive experience for two months with him. So two to three hours a day of breath work and body work and then him just doing a bunch of teachings for me and uh, of how to come deeper into myself. During this experience, the, this, was the first, this was the first time where the, the sense of like shedding a layer of skin was happening and we didn't really know how to navigate it or what to do at this point. And, um, one of the things that, that I had wanted was to have just space to go to Bali and to not be tied to the relationship because I wanted to go do the work with David so I could go as deep into myself without having anything else distracting me or pulling in my psychic field at some level. And so we, we had this beautiful experience where, um, where I just asked Libby for just for freedom so that I could go do that. So we still had our relationship container, but I was free to go and do this work and to go deep without having to like do phone calls or be in touch or any of these things. Uh, and she was holding space for that for me. And it was a profound experience. And this was one of the topics that we talk about is we, we take relationship sabbaticals usually once every year or so. And this was the original impetus for where this came from was, was, we needed space to go and evolve in some sort of way. And if I were single, I could go do the thing and do all this, but I'm in relationships. So how do you create a space where you can still go be in your world and evolve, but still having the stable peace? So this was the first, the first iteration where we did that. And it was a total, it was completely challenging and super beautiful. And like so many things came out of it. And that's kind of, that's where this notion of the sabbatical came from and why we've started integrating it into our lives. Um, on a yearly-ish basis. Oh my gosh. It's kind of a conscious way to like heed the death cycle and maintain your sovereignty and your relationship, like really finding a rhythm between the two. And each sabbatical for us has been a different theme and different agreements around sex, around money, around like location, whatever, right? Communication and, and whatever it, we attune to like really, well, where are we? And like what wants to happen here? And what's the impulse or what are the desires or what are the fears? And like, let's start there. Yeah. And, and I have to give Libby a ton of credit on this one because, because I, w- I was the one asking for it. And um, I've, I've learned this from her. The hardest thing in positions like this is to let go. Is to like, when everything's telling you like, no, this is the time to contract and to hold on to. Um, Libby was willing to be like, I'm going to let go and I'm going to give you the space for you to do this. Surrender. And, and that, w- that has such a profound experience because even when our con- in our conversations, there was no certainty that we were going to end up on the other side. And I was clear. I was like, I love you and I want to be with you, but I feel like I'm willing to burn everything in my life to the ground to figure out who I am and what matters to me. And I have to go here and do this experience to even have the possibility of ending up in a relationship where we're going to be satisfied in some level. And she supported that and like welcomed that. And it was such a profound, like it was such a profound experience for me to be given that much freedom. And it just inspired another layer of devotion on the other side of all of it. Um, That's the trick. That's the trick I've learned. Like when I talk to 
women or people like in more, I'm sure it goes in all different dynamics, but the man wants freedom, right? They want to like sex. Someone described it once as like the vulnerability it takes for a woman to open her legs is the equivalent to a man opening his heart. Like the emotional realm is very, um, edgy and scary for a man and then sexual and like physical reality is a little bit more edgy and scary for a woman. And, um, how to be like, they talk about surrender being like this feminine quality, right. And you understand as a concept, but it was all these different experiments where I actually just through surrendering and which that feels kind of like free falling. It feels like letting go of the thing that is most sacred to you and like giving it up to God or giving it up to spirit or just like laying it down and without knowing, you know, what's going to happen on the other side. It's, it's terrifying, but it's also uplifting. Like so many times I've had these experiences of surrendering and then literally getting everything. And then some that I've been wanting and trying to get via control or manipulation or tit for tat or some sort of exchange that never fucking works. <laughs> like, that never works. And it's like really leaning into surrendering and trusting our partner's true desires mm. and, and doing so in a way that's still honoring of ourselves, I think builds a really potent, polarized, exciting relationship and, um, devotion. Mm, That is so fucking good. It really is. It really is. I mean, that was a lesson that I had to learn over and over and over again, that I couldn't get what I want by, you know, quid pro quo and by Mm -hmm. putting all these uh, agreements or rules, which are not boundaries. I was trying to control the situation. You know, and this idea, I mean, so many people could hear what you're saying. They're like, oh, yeah, good for them. They could do that. And like you're talking about early on in your relationship, you were able to start figuring this out and give it a try. And what I say to those people is the relationship that you're like, yeah, good for them because you couldn't see it in your own. I can only imagine what that relationship is really like. You know, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what dynamics are at play, what traumas are being played out potentially. And Mm -hmm. I... I can only imagine how much more room for growth could be available if someone was like, you know what, I'm just going to try this other thing out instead of bearing down, I'm going to let go and I'm going to be okay with the fact that this might end because it might. And what's the truth? It could end anyway Mm -hmm. at any given time Mm -hmm. when usually it's the bearing down or the overbearing qualities and the over control and all these stipulations and all of that, that typically leads people to tip over the edge. It leads to resentment. It leads to when you just said the word polarizing for those that are listening that don't really know what the concept of creating um, polarity, you want to be attracted to each other instead of being repelled apart. And so this space and giving this freedom and all of that will create that. I miss you. You know, the distance makes Mm -hmm. the heart grow fonder kind of thing. And like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm able to experience myself and I'm so appreciative of my partner and I have this space and this freedom like wow I can't wait to fuck her next when most people would be like oh yeah right you're just trying to get a hall pass if that's what you want to think then go for it and for those Mm -hmm. that are really vibing this conversation like there's just this is just scratching the surface like there's so much more totally and and one concept we come back to that makes this 
this engine work, so to speak, is this notion of what is true desire. Because, because there is, there is the desire and there is like the, I just want to fuck something hall pass like idea. That's just like an animal impulse or urge, which could still be a true desire, which could still be a true desire at some level, but, but true desire tends to have some qualities to it. And, and there tends to be a, a vulnerability in the request. Um, and, and the deeper that you tap into that, it's like something that your heart and soul wants, mm-hmm. not just your body, not just your mind. It's something that your, your soul needs to evolve. And if you can tap into what that thing is and you can express that, um, normally your partner will feel it you're, you're, yeah. and, and it will inspire, it will inspire like the yes or the, the leaning into, um, but if you come at it from like a entitled, like, oh, I deserve this or something, and it's, it's like, fuck that. Like, why? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. They're definitely different feelings. Mm-hmm. Definitely different feelings. Like I'm unsatisfied in my relationship and I am sexually frustrated and I don't feel any freedom. And I got to go like get out there and scratch this itch in some kind of like, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of repressed stuff and now it's going to come out in these sideways ways versus... I really need, I really want this thing. I really need this thing. I'm feeling this, this pull and I'm feel, you know, and there's, like you said, this level of vulnerability and fuck, like I, I think about Jordan, if he were to come to me and say something, how, whatever that thing is that he wants, I would, because of our level of communication. And I know that if he's going to have a vulnerable request, he's really given it thought. And, and whatever immediately comes up for me, I get to choose how I deal with it. And what does that mean to me? Cause it's all going to be the story that I tell myself or the story that I make about it. And so mm-hmm. what is this? And if there's some kind of vulnerable request that I don't know what it could look like people, you know, I, I think about relationships and people want to fuck other people all the time, or they're interested in what this new dynamic and this fresh thing could provide you know, provide for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't imagine Jordan that Jordan doing anything like that or bringing anything like that to me now, but that doesn't mean I don't want to be prepared for if that ever happens. I'm not trying to call certain situations into my life, but I'm also like, I'd like to be prepared if mentally, how will I handle it? If he's like, I want to go have this sexcapade or this adventure, or I want to go on a sabbatical and I want f- freedom and space where we don't, we, we check in maybe once the whole time I'm gone or whatever. And I, I just want to be like, okay, if you made the request, you get to do the thing and have this faith and this trust that it's going to all shake out the way that it's supposed to shake out. Yeah. Yeah, And a concept we, we often come back to is, uh, function over form. Mm -hmm. You know, what is, what is the purpose of the, you know, if, if you have that request, what's the purpose of it? What's it in service of? And, and is, uh, the more that we come back to like, what is the ultimate function? What is the purpose? How is this feeding and servicing and, and being in service of the vision that we have? Um, the form becomes malleable and the form is like, okay, well, we might do this thing or we might try this thing, mm-hmm. but we're, we're moving towards the same direction. Yeah. Um, the same North star at all times. Mm-hmm. So I want to put the little spotlight, um, over on my, on my girl Libby for a second. Because you just mentioned, you know, the time when the sabbatical was something that you were leading the charge for. And Mm -hmm. I know, Libby, you've had an experience. I I mean, at least one that I know of where you are more or less leading the leading the the time or the space apart. And I am curious what that looked like for you. Um, And then at some point in this storytelling sesh, I want to start talking about how you found your way to BDSM. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would one. be upset if we made it all the way to the end. I'm like, great conversation, and we didn't talk about that thing because I really like that story. But yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, the benefit of true desire is it's it goes both ways, and I think for me, my journey. One thing that I love talking about is. There's a concept of going all in, like what you've touched on, Lex. I know you've talked about that before, but every person I think has their own unique path to going all in. And for me, I value truth is my number one value. And I really had to turn over all the stones and all my, I really need to answer all my questions. And so when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm marrying you. I'm fully committed. I'm doing this. Like I had checked all my boxes. That that was my path. That's not everybody's path. And so a lot of my sabbaticals honestly were like experiments around checking off my my boxes. Like what's something I'm afraid of or what's something I've asked or I've always um what's a good example of sabbatical? We've done so many of them at this point. Um you Tulum. Tulum, yeah. Some time in Tulum, some time in LA. The Mac situation, yeah. There's been there's been a, there's been several, but I <laughs> I have have gotten to within a container, and Andy and I are huge experimenters in what we've learned and what supports longevity and security is that these experiments always have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they're not these open-ended new ways of being and new ways of life, unless it's just obvious that that's what wants to happen for us. And we consciously adopt it. Um, but it's like an amusement park ride. And so you, I got to check off some of my boxes and some of my questions. Like early on in our relationship, I remember feeling like there's, there's something in the way of us committing more fully to each other. Like there was something in me that was like holding me back from like opening more. And I realized I was like, well, there's this person from my past that has always been like this X factor for me. Like I had this magical meeting of them. We've always been in different countries and different places. And I've always just like, it's a question mark for me. Like in order for me to actually open and like, really like be like, you are my everything in my man. Like I want to, like, I want to figure that question out and I didn't have to seek it out. It's like, this is how the world works. Like a couple weeks later, of course, our paths cross no joke. And Andy being the incredible man that he is, he's like, okay, like, here's what I'm comfortable with, but I want you to go and like, figure out what this is. And I got to go figure out what it was. And I got to learn like, wow, we have um, multiple soulmates in this life and not all soulmates are meant to be our life partners. And guess what? We get to choose. And it is a 100% full choice. And so I was so grateful because I stand on my own two feet and know in all parts of my being, in all parts of my body, like how committed I am and how devoted I am. And I answered my questions. And so I really, really feel rock solid in my commitment. And it wasn't the shortest path for me to get to this point, but it was all of our experiments and sabbaticals that really supported that. So we've talked a lot about um, freedom and expansion and all these crazy fucking experiences we do, which I think are great. And don't go blow up your life because what's enable what supports and enables all of that 
I'd love to like swing the pendulum into security, safety, stability, rituals, routines, all the stuff that's like actually set us up to be able to go do these things. Cause that's really where it all started. Add a little more color to the Mac story. Yeah. Um, so you, you got to understand this is pre the Bali trip we talked about. This is before that. This is we're 26 and 24. We're a year into our relationship. Um, we just left Iowa and, and this whole experience, she had a fling with a guy years prior. He came back into her life. They randomly met at a concert. We came in, she came in, we talked about it. We created a space for her to go date him for a week. This ultimately led to us breaking up. This was, this was the first time where we like leaned all the way in and then went all the way through the cycle where she went through the the whole process of actually falling in love with this individual and and seeing what that experience was like and it was super Sorry. challenging it was super challenging for us during this period um and the there were such potent and profound lessons that we got from even going through this whole cycle so so this is the first time where we before the Bali thing where we actually had an experience of evolving in a way separately, uh, very unconsciously, we didn't know what we were doing at the time. And we eventually ended up coming back together on the other side of it. The reason we like talking about the safety and security pieces is because, uh, the more safety and security that you build over here and the more of a foundation you have, the more capacity you have to push the edges on this side. Back then, we didn't have any rituals, routines. We didn't have any communication patterns. So we had no bed of safety, but we were trying to play with the edges over here. And then it was a really challenging experience. And I mean, frankly, if it weren't for a couple of really key mentors, we might not have made it through that experience. Um, and so, so I think it illustrates why if you, if you want to play with these edges and play with fire, like you need to get really good at building safety. and, and Fire safety, baby. Mm, safety. 1000%. Yeah, I love right. it so much. And I actually, I don't, I feel like maybe you've told me that story about the Mac situation, you know, so oh, Lex, <laughs> we, we could spend an entire podcast on that story. It was I, a, well, I also know that at some point, one of the sabbaticals led to you going and visiting and spending time with the dominatrix. Yes. So, and I'm just like, we have to go there before the end of the show where it's like, we're creating safety. We're playing with edges. We're taking, we're surrendering, we're giving freedom, we're giving space and all these things. And then, and then there was the dog. Yep. Great. Do you want to go into that now? Or do you want to go into safety now? We well, if Libby wants to uh, expand a little on the safety piece, then that, I mean, cause that's required. You know, yeah. and I, even as we approach the conversation of speaking about the femdom and how that all played out in y'all's relationship, um, I think that it all core, like it, it all, um, there's through line in it, yeah. you know what I mean? Having that space and that freedom for you to go and explore in that way, which you're discovering, oh, these are the edges. And in order to go there, exactly what you said, like you have to be coming from this place where ultimately like everything, like you're safe here. I can hold this thing. That sounds great. Let's touch on that for, mm -hmm. we'll touch on the safety pieces if you'd like to. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll be efficient. Uh, what we have learned in the last decade is that there is a functional side of relationship and running a life together, and there is a sacred side to it. And it's common practice. I don't know, most couples probably still don't get to it as much as they would like to, but, you know, common knowledge, like you should have date night, have a regular date night, right? That's kind of mass uh, advice. However, what we discovered in our own relationship and watching others is that you finally go on this date night and then you spend the whole time talking about kids or taking out like 
why you're annoyed that they're not taking out the trash more or stuff that is oftentimes not at all connecting or sexy or romantic uh, or sacred. And so we learned early on, like, oh, we really need to separate the two. And so we have our Mondays, we call them board meetings, which I know you guys and a bunch of other people have adopted because they're that fucking powerful Mm -hmm. that you get to come and have this regular time that you can count on to talk about all the functional aspects of your life. Cause there's nothing that annoys Andy more than when I interrupt him, when he's focused doing something to ask him some functional aspect of life, <laughs> like it disrupts his flow. True. Right. Yeah. And, and so having a regular space in our relationship that we can both count on to bring like, okay, what are we getting mom for mother's day? Okay. What are we like, what's our schedule look like this week? You know, when are we doing ritual? When are we doing all this? Other stuff? We have our whole agenda, right? It kind of morphs and changes over the years, but that is something that we both can rely on. And it, 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 it takes a lot of what c- couples can fight about from just like general miscommunications. Like, right, Oh, I right. didn't, no, you were having friends over tomorrow night and I was going to have my alone time. Like it, it, it really takes all of those unnecessary quiffs out of the equation because you're addressing them. And so that's, that's board meeting. And then on the other side, sacred fun, sacred date night, basically. And we started with, you know, going out and getting dressed up and having a night on town and where we've morphed and changed is like, actually now ritual is date night in where we really view and walk our relationship as a spiritual path. And when we go to ritual, it's like going to church. And it is like, you can have any conversation outside of ritual, but when you bring it to ritual, like you have my full attention. Like I am consciously choosing to bring all parts of me and be as open and slow and dropped in as humanly possible. And it's like, that's where decisions get made. That's where visions come through. That's where like the deep, slow, expansive, new type of orgasm seems to be had is in this container of ritual. And so that's become really like the heartbeat of our life. And it in the beginning as a couple, it can be like, I don't have time for this or like, I'm so exhausted or like there can be quite a journey to actually get to the point of committing and making time and making space for ritual. But then what we see happens is like you do it enough and you start to realize, holy shit, everything works better when we do this. Like if I don't do this, like everything else slows down or more conflict happens. And so these really create stability and security in our connection and in our functional life. And so it's two practices that we just really, if there's anything you take away from this interview, it's something I highly recommend for couples. 1000%. We adapted the relationship board meeting after several conversations with you and then started talking about it. And then people were like, how do I do this thing? And so then we made it a PDF. Here's a walkthrough, questions to ask yourself. Here's where you drop in. Here's where you consider adventure and consider your cycles and consider the this. And here's how you close it. And it is one of our, well, I mean, the want, will won't list is by far the best producing freebie that we have. Um, but the relationship board meeting is right behind it. It's all over our website. It's like, if you can take anything, like just start talking, have a designated time where you're not having that type of conversation trickle into all the other parts of your world too. So at the point of this recording, we had Jordan's dad 
at our house for several days. And then the day after he left, Jordan's mom came into town for several days. And so she's here with us now. And this caused us to skip our board meeting where we acknowledged we haven't had a time to check in. And so right as I was going to record this, no one knew what the hell was happening. I'm like, I just looked at him like Fridays are podcast days, you know? And it's just like, he's not even, he doesn't even know it's Friday. I'm like, why would you plan a call at the same time that I, he's downstairs about to start doing breath work. Mom's just, you know, ha- hanging out. Bryn's come in. The dogs are playing and barking. I'm like, people, <laughs> you know, we didn't have a chance to to drop in and we felt it. We mm. feel it every time. And now we, we, instead of getting upset with the other person, we go this, we take responsibility. I'm not going to throw my shade or my frustration at him because I know that I equally played a role in and in not finding a time, even in the midst of the chaos of having family in for us to drop in. And let me tell y'all, there is not a single damn time so far that we have gone to do our relationship board meeting that I have not come with resistance. Yeah. Oh yeah. I cry that's, almost that's so every time. For, like, every, for both of them, it, it, it took us a long time to get it. And then a couple, it can last like a year minimum. And, the and then what will happen is like the, the results become so potent that it's like, it becomes a heartbeat. And if you, you get the experience that like, Oh, you miss it. And then you really crave it. It's yeah. a, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was resistance. There was certainly resistance for me because there's always some point of contention that would come up that we would have to process out. And it's like, why do these relationship board meetings take seven hours? And I just say processing all this shit, but it is important. And the processing has gotten less and less over time. Like that length of time where we can just say a thing and take it and move in stride. And we've had so many different iterations. Like, do we start by going through the calendar? And if he pulls out the calendar too quickly, I panic. I'm just like, my calendar overwhelms me. And like the phone and all the things just get get my system flooded very quickly. And so he just, then he tries this softer approach. And then I'm just like, get to the point, you know, like he, there's no win. There's no win sometimes. And I'm like, you know what, this is just going to be sticky and crunchy. And there's really no way to win except to just go through it regardless and to stick with it regardless. So just throwing that out there to anyone that's like, Oh, we tried it and we didn't get far. We don't like it. Yeah. Good. It's like, we're, it's like starting to work out and expecting yourself to be an Olympian athlete right away. It's yeah. like, you no, no, put your time in because yeah. it took us what it was like this last year where we're like, we are fucking so good at collaborating now compared to the last nine years. Like this is a new level of flow that we're experiencing. And yeah. I think it really does. It really is that hard. It really does take that much time and it's really, really worth it. I think that we're only able to have a business together now in the way that we do and the way that we have been functioning because of the two things that you just outlined, because of the crunchiness and the stuff. And I kept saying no to going into like fully dropping in and doing business together and having him work with me um, for Sex and Love Co. So we... I, I think the resistance was because of a lot of like, we can't even get through a relationship board meeting, which is something that we help so many other people with. And we, this is so sticky for us, but the exercise putting in the reps, the way that we communicate even about business now, it's just, we're communicating it there. It has lost its sting at times and it has lost its charge at times. And because there's just a lot of acceptance, like there's some points in time where I'm looking at, it, I'm like, 
this isn't going to change. And so I can keep fighting you on this and the way that you're describing this and the way that you're showing up here, or I can simply choose to love you for it and through it. And we just get through conversations faster. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, and as long as he doesn't try to change my mind on things that I feel very strongly about, we're great. (laughs) We're really great. And then the other piece is the ritual. You know, um, there are times when we're hitting it like consecutively week to week. It is some level of ritual. And when I say ritual for everybody listening, it's, we have a, we have a process. And it starts in a particular way. And there might be meditation and there might be journaling and there might be some speaking time and there might be some quiet time and there might be touch and there could be various substances involved. There's certainly lots of red lights and textures and um, all kinds of like vibey, juicy goodness. And, Mm -hmm. um, And we go in with the intention to really discuss like what our dreams and desires, our true desires are and what we want to achieve. Um, together as a unit and how we can support each other individually. And then it's like, okay, well now we have the sex. Now we, now we sex it. Now we bring touch and orgasmic energy and expansion and breath and all of that. And, um, you know, I probably my third highest producing freebie is a sex magic, like how to do it. Cause I've spoken about it now a number of times. And then people are eventually like, what is this sex magic thing you speak of? I'm like, cool. Here's an eight minute audio recording with some slides that can show you how to very simply put together your sex magic ritual. So we have that available too. So anybody who's listening to the show and like you want some resources on these things, we try to make it as easy as we possibly can for you to also incorporate some of these cool things into your life so that you can have the life and the relationship that you truly desire. Doesn't mean it's the easy way, but it's the one that's like the deepest desire kind of relationship. So just throwing that out there. I get And the final piece I want to share too, before we shift is the for safety and security, one thing that we've found in any way says like, you think this is where David data got it wrong is that at some point in our partnership, we had finally found mentors that were not just great in business, but on their third marriage and had no kids. We finally found this couple that were, had several successful impact businesses, had, uh, four children, and we're still like, we're more passionately connected, had more of a vibrant relationship than I've ever experienced, witnessed. And their one of their first pieces of advice to us was like, put the relationship first, like make the relationship for number one. And that was really confronting to both of us actually on many levels, because it was like, no, my purpose is supposed to be first or like my career or like me, like, what if I don't, you know, all these things, there was a lot of resistance and as we started to really understand and embody that more and more, we, we really got that in order to, in order to practice these things that we're talking about today, in order to walk this path, in order to go all in, that kind of is what that is. It's like, I'm putting us first. Like we are, we are where it all begins in where it all ends. And so that is a really important thing that I like to share with people. Some people get it and some people are more resistant to it. I get it (laughs) as the, as the person that has had, I've been zeroed in on what I am here to do or what I believe at this stage I am, I am doing and I am here to do. I have had that locked, locked into my sights for several years coming into this relationship. And it's kind of like, 
there have been times where I've broken down where I'm just like, this has to be my focus and nothing else can be. And I need everyone in my life to leave me the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I'm like maybe one day later, I'm like none of what I've just decided upon and the like, everybody leave me alone. And this needs to be my focus. Like I do agree that at times I will have more work than other times. I will be busier than other times. And it is usually I'm just like, I need to like get it out of my system that that was in there. And then I'm like, no, because what is it all for? And everything that I am striving for is attainable and available through my relationship. So Mm -hmm. it's like, look at your relationship as an access point. It's not a this or that. It's like, if I turn into here, then everything that I'm really striving for becomes available. Harvard just proved that where they published their longest longitudinal study where they followed like 500 men, half of them were like Ivy League schooled and half of them were like low income. And they studied them throughout their life to figure out what actually contribute, what factors contribute most to living a long and healthy, happy life. And it wasn't how many books you wrote. It wasn't how many drinks you drank a week. It wasn't how many cigarettes you smoked. It was all came down to the quality of your relationships. And so if you have quality relationship in your life, your chance of having a longer, healthier, happier life are, that is like the number one determining factor according to Harvard. And so that study's never been done before. Like that was recent and like published not that long ago. And so, um, I think it's something we're all realizing <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you want to talk about the Dom yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we, we have, uh, we've been fortunate to find mentors in who have been amazing couples to guide us in a lot of ways. Um, and one of them have spent a lot of time in, in the BDSM world. And so first I just want to like, I don't know what your audience relationship to this is because my relationship was like judgment and terror. That was just really like my initial, uh, yeah, like ooh, I had some got weird, as some weird shit going on there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't even think I knew this was a thing for the first 25 years of my life. And, um, so yeah, we, we got introduced to like a rope workshop when we were, when we were 25 and 23, 26 and 24. And it was one of those things that was like, it, it, it was simultaneously like a, a turn on and disgust at the same time. Like there was yeah. like this weird mix of both. Uh, the most erotic situations have both of those things and I, a lot I, of those things. I think you should always pay attention when that happens. Like when you yeah. find you're repulsed by something and really attracted to it. Yeah. Um, like, I, like, no, why is my dick card? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> gross i am so wet like i (laughs) (laughs) this this isn't happening this isn't um so so it had always kind of been on the radar and then you know having having mentors be really into it and then and then learning through some pieces there um and and then this is one of the reasons i think sabbaticals are so awesome uh we ended up this is Libby wanted to go to Tulum for a while. I think she went for a month. Um, so she went to Tulum, got to go spend time by the ocean, by herself, just really doing her thing. And um, I was at a phase where I was like, the, the, idea, the concept of power was really interesting to me. 
and and this is where I think BDSM gets really interesting because there's like the fetish size that you might see in porn or something, which which isn't the part that actually is intriguing to me at all. The the piece that's intriguing to me is the energetic exchange of power and what does that look like? And and that's what I think people miss. And that's where I think this becomes a really rich exercise to play with. And so she goes to Zulum and I was on this concept of power. So I was, I was, um, I started studying jujitsu, uh, started working out really hard, started studying all of the stuff on BDSM. I could find, I watched all the 50 shades movies and then I got a bunch of books. And when I, when I obsess over something, I just immerse into it for a period of time. And, and then you can start seeing patterns. You see patterns in books and then nonfiction versus fiction and movies. And, um, I, I, I got permission to go see the Dom for this, but I, I was excited. To... You asked, cause I was like, I don't really want you to practice on me. I'm like, and why don't you go learn this stuff and become really skilled at it? And then but she, surprise me. She she didn't know I was like totally obsessing over it at, at the level that I was. And the intention was like, all right, she's going to go away for a month and then I'm going to go learn this cool new skill set, And then we're going to come back together. and I'm going to be able to do all this cool shit. Tomorrow. That was the initial in, impetus for it. We both wanted that. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, we started studying all this stuff. And then, um, a, a mentor was like, the best way to learn is, is to go work oh, yeah. with somebody because you don't want to, it, and it's, it's not only the best way to learn, it's the responsible thing to do Yes, because, yes. because you're playing with, you're, you're playing with stuff that isn't a joke. It's like playing with fire and you want to, to be in a position of power. You need to experience what it's like to be in the position of receiving as opposed to be the person doing it. So um, it's the responsible thing to do. So I end up finding this person uh, in Denver and yeah, she was a dominatrix. And I told her what I want to do. I was like, I want you to train me on these things. And I want you to teach me like some of the basics. And I'm away from my fiance for four weeks. And by the end of four weeks, I want to have like a core skill set of things to be able to play with her when she comes, comes back. And so we, 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 I did a couple sessions with her. It was really awkward and really confronting <laughs> and really liberating and fascinating all at the same time. And, and I think for the people listening, the, the piece that gets really interesting to me and why I think this is a profound practice to at least dip your toes into is that this practice translates into everything else that you do. When I started learning, when I started learning the, the, the pieces of power exchange in the context that's here, the volume in my life got turned up in my business. The, the way that I negotiated deals became completely different. Um, if I was closing coaching clients, the, the process of closing became different because I was more familiar with the power exchange pieces. And that's where I think it's really, that's where I think it gets really, really interesting. You know, you see it in Hollywood movies. It's like powerful dudes. Like there's, there's like this, weird thing that they'll have with it. And it's, it's never the dude It's funny because I listened to a bunch of books. It's never the dude. That's like the middle manager. It's never like a Michael Scott who's into BDSM, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always somebody who's like operating at a really high level. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they are the dumb because I know so many people that are operating at the top and they leverage the power exchange and the dynamics to regulate and to balance them back out. Like in billions, billions is a great example. You know, yeah. you have that yeah. high performing attorney guy and he's like, his wife's the dominatrix. And for yeah. sure. Opening scene. I was like, she's about to pee on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs>
And then she did it. I was like, oh my God, what are we watching? We're actually watching that right now. Totally. Yeah. We're in a season two, but yeah, Yeah. that's exactly it. And I, I, so part of the reason why I went so heavy into sexual personal development or sexual development in my career path is because I found personal development and it transformed my life. Like most people, they find, oh, healing trauma and doing, you know, way before I ever started dabbling in psychedelics. It's like all of these other avenues. And I found Tony Robbins as well. And just uh, listening to the audios and, um, And I realized that a lot of this growth and this expansion that I experienced in myself and in my life was so profound and so beautiful. And it didn't directly translate into my sex. It didn't directly translate. I couldn't take what I learned over here and then go, now I'm going to operate this way, either in relationship-ish, but mostly in sex. So I would like find this confidence and I'd find my voice and I would understand my boundaries and like all these other areas. And then it would come when sex was on the table with this super hot guy that I was interested in. All of a sudden I was 15 and a half again. (laughs) And like, why can Mm -hmm. I, why is this not translating? And as soon as I put the focus on the sex and how I was operating and who I was and how I was showing up, that I saw a direct translation into the other parts of my life. And I love uh, one of the one of the paraphrasing Dan Savage here is like if you can ask your partner, I'm just going to use P since we said it. If you can ask your um sexual partner, if you can ask your partner to pee on you, what can you ask your boss for? Yeah. Like I just mm-hmm. paraphrase that, but it's basically like if you can ask for what you want in sex, then imagine where else in your life because that's when you're naked, you're vulnerable, you're all these things. So now let's put you into this other position. It's like fuck, if I can ask for that, then what else can I ask for? Yeah. And that's why, that's why ritual, right? Ritual becomes so important because it becomes the dojo to play with different energies. And it's, it's not just, it's uh, the thing with the Hollywood stuff is people see the, they see the physical act. Um, Mm. in our experience, it's not the physical act or the physical fetish. That's the thing. It's actually the emotional expression. Like it comes online that you learn to be able to do when you're holding power or when you're asking for desire. And it's like, that's the piece that frees stuff up internally. I think, uh, I, I think there's, if, if you really want to speed up momentum in your life and it's not a shortcut, but it's like, it's a fast path in a sense. And, and the two things that lead to that are sex and death, like getting intimate with death and getting intimate with sex and going down those, those rabbit holes. And then all of the personal growth stuff and all the Tony Robbins and the raw rock, cause we've done a lot of those too. They're awesome. Um, but these things are the practice. These are the things to do on a consistent basis that really, really get momentum building. It's been my experience. Or it's just, I always like to tell couples, like you can either fight it out or you can fuck it out. Like, and one of them is a lot more fun. Uh, and there's, you get to work out the dynamics and you get to work out the energies in a physical way. And sometimes half fights are just like sexual frustration or like needing to be like needing to feel your partner because they're not being fully present or whatever. And so that can all happen in sex and it's like a reset, reset button. And so you can, Mm -hmm. you know, not fight for several hours and then for sure. Yeah. I oftentimes like Jordan has one particular story that he tells over and over again about when we were at that, uh, were y'all at the animal party? Yeah. I was at the animal party briefly. I didn't say the whole night, just a little bit. So up, we had just gotten little and she was like maybe a week old or she was a week old to us. She was like five months old. Um, And we're talking about my 
puppy French bulldog. And I remember we like showed up and I was late and I had the, you know, that was before I, I got the time. My, my relationship with time has been, we've been doming it out of me. Just yes. so you know, for every minute I am late for something, I get a spanking. And I don't think I've said that publicly on the show. So like we have this dynamic that plays out and there's some elements of like domestic dom that happen that like, I need it. Like, yes, yep. I am an adult. I am also a child and I fuck things up by being late. And so anyway, this particular story, I was late. Life was all frustrating and like a whirlwind. And where was Jordan? And we have a car and he's trying to drive the bus. And there was probably all kinds of other shit. And he arrives and we hadn't had sex maybe in a couple days, maybe a few days. And it was palpable. Like I couldn't look at him without being like, just, I want to fuck your world up. Like you're the only outlet that I have right now. And I'm frustrated with myself and everything. And at one stage I pulled him into one of their extra rooms and got on my knees. I was like, I'm sucking your dick and it's not for you. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I am about to suck your dick and it's for me because I need to calm down. And then as soon as it, we, we rounded it out, it was like our whole, it was like, we don't even need to say anymore. It's done. It's done. Like I looked at him like, you know, he, you're back in front. Yeah, for sure. And and I oftentimes I'll tell that to some of my clients and, you know, I'll be working with a couple and I'll be like, and I got on my knees and I sucked his dick and it had nothing to do with him. And it, I mean, it had to do with him, but it had mostly to do with me because I needed to calm down and I needed to just surrender and like, let some shit go. And a lot of times like the woman is like, <gasps> and the man's like, really? And like, yes. <laughs> Yes, we can fight about this or we can fuck about this in a sense. And I oftentimes like sometimes your relationship, like you've heard this, you've, I've, I think I've heard you say this, say this before. This is the thing that uh, we get from Annie Lala is like, sometimes your relationship needs to fuck. It's not really about the individuals, but like your relationship needs an exhale. Yeah. So you can yeah. turn to sex as a tool for so many things, which we've discussed in this very full, very dynamic show that sex has a lot of roles. And and I think I think the uh, the the quality of your sex life is generally a temperature gauge of how connected you two are and how you are doing emotionally. Uh, like if you're if you're measuring it or trying to keep a pulse on it, you don't have to keep a pulse on all the things. Just just track sex and turn on, and and that tends to let you know. And it's the same. I mean, you could be just as much in church right now and have someone preaching to you that if you're going through a hard time, you know, you just really like give to others, like be charitable to others. Like it's the same fucking concept, but expressed in a new domain. And so like, that's the whole joke that we're all playing out where we're like, well, my path is better than your path. It's like, no, we just want some fucking friends on our path so we can have <laughs> podcasts and people who like listen to this and they're like, yes, thank you. This is, this really resonates with me. Like the whole waking down through my body, through my relationship, like that resonates more to me than going to church on Sunday. And for some other people going to church on Sunday, that is their jam. And I'm like, rock it out. Like this is, the concepts are all the same. It's just the expression yeah. and practices are different. Well, I really appreciate that. As the recovering Catholic, I am. I super duper appreciate hearing you say that. And it sounds kind of kinky and I dig that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is my church. Like your temple is my tabernacle. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a meme the other day and... Um... <laughs> said and it was it was a it was an image of a, a woman at confession and 
it said, uh, and, and it had the priest had his like hand on his head, like, Oh, not again. And the oh, quote was, I know this, the quote, the quote was the woman saying, I'm sorry, daddy, I've been a bad girl. And the priest was like, I tried to tell you it's forgive me father for I have sinned. <laughs> One of my, so one of my favorite things, well, there's many favorite things that I have about working with Bryn. And so she calls God sky daddy. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like, please sky daddy. That's great. That's so funny. I love it. That's really good. It really is. And some people might hear this and be like, blasphemous. And how dare them? And I think, you know what? Living in that way, put a lot, I've, I have a lot of shit to work through because uh-huh. I grew up in that way. And I'm so glad that I have levity and humor that I can mm-hmm. fall back on. And I still have such mad respect for the creator, whoever mm-hmm. the creator is, the universe, magic, divine, and all of that. And I'm so glad that I've uh, been able to take some of the things that I learned, um, mm-hmm. that, transmute the trauma into some really erotic experiences. <laughs> transcend to include definitely it's so i mean of course i love the fact that i was able to have an intimate conversation with two of my best friends for my show you know what Um, like like future future topic i want to do um you just touched on the piece around like time and how your relationship with time is changing through polarity and through like a, a level of like leadership and following mm-hmm. at some point, I want to do a, a conversation with you about that topic sure. um, farther down the road, because I think that is a very, very rich one that applies directly to life that makes life right. uh, yeah, yeah. potent, fun and all of the things. So yeah. bookmark. There's a lot, there's a lot, and there's still so much to be uh, and without trying to dance too far around that rabbit hole without diving in, there's a lot of things that, I would like to change or transform about my habits and the way that I show up in the world. And Jordan, it's it's effort for him to dummy in a sense and pay attention and track some of the things that he's paying attention to and tracking for the betterment of, for my betterment and for the betterment in our relationship. And there's some things that I funnel in his direction that's similar, but not quite the same. And um, yeah, it's it's a commitment on his front and it's service. and. I want those things. It's not like he has power over me and I'm being a bad girl. I mean, just people in their misconceptions and their, you know, preconceived notions and whatever. That's fine if you want to hold on to those really hard. And if you want to loosen your grip, just know that there's so much beauty and stuff that you like can't even possibly wrap your head around that is available through using that as a practice. So agreed. Absolutely. I I am. I didn't realize that I was actually changing that um, until I said something about, you know, me and time and a D um, our friend, a D actually, she, she chimed back at me and was like, you've been much better with time. And you saying that isn't cute. And I was like, Oh, okay. Child's a teenager now. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. I get like, but am I ready to let go of that story? Am I ready to be like, oh, I'm good with, I'm like pretty okay with time. Like, who am I without being the late one, (laughs) you know? And I like introduce myself and I'm like, hey, by the way, if you ever invite me to anything, just expect I'll be five to 10 minutes late. It is not directed to you. Like I used to like say that when I met people and because of aspects of BDSM and 
incorporating yep. that in my life, I've been able to like transform that area of my yep. life and not feel like shame or sorry about it, which is cool. So, yes. Um, Y'all amazing show. Yeah. So, so freaking good. I love you both so much. You have changed my life. You've changed my relationship. And I'm so freaking grateful that not only you, but our core squad, our um, even just a little extended community is we're surrounded by how beautiful is it to be surrounded by couples that have these kinds of conversations, not in a podcast form. Like we would have had this conversation just any random Saturday or, you know, or Thursday, whenever we have women's group or something like that, like, and you, Andrew, like going with the guys and y'all having your men's experiences and creating and curating initiation kind of experiences for yourself. And we just continue to go deeper. And it's so special to be surrounded by other people that are all in as well. And that want to not try and not have any of the bad stuff happen, but we're just like celebrating each other in whatever the season is. It's like, oh, it's so-and-so's turn to like be in this shit. Let's rally. What do you need? And then it's like, ooh, okay. They're, They're transitioning into spring. Let's like celebrate them. And like, oh, over here. Now we've got a little winter action. It seems kind of fallish, mm-hmm. you know? So, and it's just so fucking good. Thank you both. Yeah, I want that for everyone. That is what we came to Austin looking for. And I feel so grateful that we found it. I feel so grateful that you and Jordan are part of that because we love you guys so fucking much. And so fun to do this show, Lex. Really appreciate yeah. you bringing it on. Same, same. Oh, yay. Okay, so my last thing. People, you know, we spoke about what you two do very brief, like, like little tiny pieces. Do we say, okay, when you work with couples and that kind of thing. So y'all are in a similar field. You're in my niche, which I love because y'all are the only friends of the whole crew that we can vibe out on sex, love, relationship oriented work subjects. Um, so people, if they want to work with you, if they're like, I like this dope rad couple and I want to work with them or I want to meet them or I want to interact with them more, they will find you at theartoflove.com. Yes. Correct. Where else? Anywhere else? Well, that's the best. Well, there's two ways to work with us currently around uh, I coach with individuals and couples in relationship. And then Andrew is building our publishing company through the Art of Love right now. And so we are helping to inform more people who are struggling in relationship with more skills and tools by, by partnering with thought leaders who have incredible courses and using Andy's incredible Midas marketing touch, getting it out into the world and expanding. And so if you fit into one of those categories or, or none of them, we'd love to still chat with you. So. Email Libby, Libby at the art of love.com. Um, and then email me, Andrew at the art of love.com. And uh, that's it. Sweet. All right, y'all. Well, I'm going to hit end on this recording, but you know, I'm sure we'll sit here and chat for another minute or so, but I love you. I love you. I love you. And also Sanga, who is your rescue pup that is sitting in your lap this whole time. She's been such a good girl. Oh, and I love Sanga too. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for being on my life, Drishas. Love you lots. Much love, Lex. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.